This is Our House by Art Humanity in Action, a podcast where activists tell stories about the first time they realized they had to get involved and what happened next. I'm your host, Nicole Ferraro. And then I said, okay, I got to get to work. I couldn't sit back anymore. This was me really standing up and saying enough. We decided that we really needed to have an organized response. I knew I had to be involved. I wanted to help. Our stories are actually the biggest things that we had to make a difference. I view my whole life as a form of activism because I have terrible palsy with a speech impediment. Able-bodied people have different responses to people who don't have speech impediments. We move strangely and speak strangely, and that seems to have a real strong effect. People with cerebral palsy are really thought to have kids or get married or have jobs or do anything, really. So just being a normal person in the world for me is a form of activism. This is Jennifer Bartlett. She is a poet, a mother, an activist, and an all-around badass. Jennifer's work as an activist really started with poetry, although she didn't think of it that way at the time. She helped edit and launch the publication Beauty is a Verb, The New Poetry of Disability, an anthology of work from disabled writers. She also formed a disabled quorum at an annual writers' conference. But Jennifer started to shift focus a bit one night after the 2016 election, when her husband Jim came home from a meeting with the activist group Rise and Resist, and he shared his concerns about an upcoming protest the group was planning around health care that was not set up to include any protesters with disabilities. Jennifer decided she wanted to be at the next meeting. I honestly can't remember what I said at the meeting. I probably read them the right answers, but I was like, you guys in the bubble. I just started talking and they all stared at me like stopped and listened. And I was like, wow, what the <laughs> Later, she let me speak about ableism and disability, and when I gave that little speech, it was like in front of 500 people. I mean, it was so easy to get wrapped up in all this because it was so exciting. Jennifer started taking part in Rise and Resist protests and attending meetings. Soon she was ready to lead a group on something. And while most of the other activists were focused on ways to resist Trump, Jennifer set her sights on an issue really close to home, New York City's subway elevators. I I really decided I wanted to lead something. My friend Sasha had done a 360 video for the Times, 
of using the subway in his wheelchair. So I started taking elevators on the subway. And I looked around and was like, this elevator is disgusting. What's going on here? So it was a little wacky because it wasn't quite Trump-related. But I stood up and said, I want to make a group that advocates for clean elevators on the subway. And there were some people at Rising Resist, my friend Jackie and my friend Jennifer, that were really, really into this. And then it just, it grew into this huge, like, three or four or five organizations happened to be starting to do the same thing. Activism for disabled people against the MTA. Jennifer and other activists continued putting pressure on the MTA. And in 2018, the MTA committed to a series of reforms around accessibility, led by its new president, Andy Byford. And one of the first things Andy did was hire Jennifer. How Andy came to the MTA is kind of a complicated story, but I think he may have been hired because, partly because of that activism. And a lot of people did a lot of activism before us, which is why we have A elevators. I think I see a lot of changes in a lot of people's lives. But it's interesting to me how much my life has changed because I've owned a bunch of new friends and new social circle. Um, I've done all this um, planning and activism and I mean it's a big it's a big change. Jennifer continues working to improve subway access for people with disabilities in her role as training specialist in the MTA president's office for system-wide accessibility. In a moment we will talk with her about her work at the MTA and how we can all take action to support disability rights and accessibility everywhere. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here on the podcast and for telling us your beautiful, incredible stories. I was wondering if you could start off by briefly explaining the role that you play at the MTA. Sure. Um, I work in system-wide accessibility in the president's office. I'm training specialist, and what I'm working on is building Disability etiquette, disability justice, and accessibility trainings for the entire staff of the MTA. All 50,000 people <laughs> sit through our training, and what I'm working on 
in particular right now is a new training we're going to roll out for bus operators, and we've been making a video to go with the bus operator training. If you could just give a high-level overview of some of the major problems that we're trying to fix here at the MTA when it comes to accessibility. Just a, a small laundry list of the problems that we're facing here in New York. Um, well, one thing we're, we're very invested in that's free is changing the culture and how people think about disability. One example of a big problem is a wheelchair user gets on the bus, the driver's mad, he calls the person wheelchair instead of a person in a wheelchair. The whole um, customer base is mad, they're, they're making faces because they have to wait, and so that kind of thing is the what we're trying to re-educate people about. Then there are the nuts and bolts of the system, which actually I'm less involved in, um, building new elevators, keeping elevators clean, making spaces accessible, to people who are low vision, blind, deaf, or hard of hearing, travel training for people with cognitive disabilities, um, making accessoride better. Um, it's a huge, we're working on basically every aspect of accessibility, but I'm, I'm, working on the training. Shifting gears for a second, I know you also formed something called the Non-March to coincide with the Women's March. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the Non-March started with a disagreement with the New York City Women's March, which is different from the National March. I went to the first one and it didn't have disabled women represented at all, and it had no accessibility features. And then um, I started reaching out to them right after that march, and they were completely resistant. So a few months before the march, um, began, I decided, well, I'm going to do my own march. <laughs> and I'm going to call it the non-march. You know what? I'm going to have it indoors by food. So I decided to have the event in Grand Central. I think there are about 300 people there. And a lot of people showed up. It was very overwhelming. Is there one action that you can recommend or a first step that somebody can take if they are really interested in trying to fight for um, disability rights or fight for accessibility? What is a, a first step that you would like to see people take? 
I think the first step is to stop for five seconds and think about how you think about disability and maybe rethink that and know that disability is a complicated issue and people view their disabilities many different ways, but for a lot of us, it's our identity, and we don't want to be cured, but that's not everyone. Seeing disability as something to be avoided or ignored or, or definitely pitied is not the way to solve things. A lot of people just don't interact with disabled people, so they don't teach their kids about disabled people or know how one would do this. starts with just having a thought about this as an issue. I think that's the main thing, that people aren't even having a thought about this. Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and for being in the world. You are absolutely incredible. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for being on the podcast and for the incredible work you do at the MTA as a writer and well beyond. If you want to support Jennifer's work, and why wouldn't you? Please check out and donate to the publication she started for writers with disabilities, Zoglossia, at zoglossia.org. You can find the link in the notes. This podcast comes from Art, Humanity, and Action and is produced and edited by Jeff Rose. Music is by Audioblocks. You can find more activist stories on the podcast and information about our live shows at arthumanityaction.com, and we hope you'll share this episode with a friend. Thank you again for listening. And thank you for being in the world. And here's Jennifer reading a poem from her collection, Autobiography, Anti-Autobiography. To walk means to fall, to thrust forward, to fall and catch. The seemingly random is its own system of gestures. Based on a series of neat airs, falling and catching, to thrust forward. Sometimes the body misses, then collapses. Sometimes it shatters with this particular knowledge.